0: Okay, this morning I want to get in right into what we want to talk about. We'll be in 2 Peter chapter 2. And the, the, the reason, again, I wanted to lay that groundwork earlier in, in Romans 5 and, and, uh, and so forth is because there is an enemy out there that his chief end is to destroy you. And he is the father of lies. Jesus said that himself. He's been a liar from the beginning. And let me, first of all, explain a little bit about this this adversary. Um, The Bible would indicate that he was created uh, as the ultimate or the highest cherubim, which was a rank and file among the chief, if you will, of the angelic beings or the created angelic beings. Uh, As eternity past would indicate in the Bible, this guy had unprecedented... And I say guy, this angel, Lucifer, had unprecedented access to God, um, governed the controlling of the universe for the Lord God, and the worship through the angelic beings. And, and, you know, the whole universe stands and worships God was filtered through him. He had a very high standing. The only thing we know about his demise is we know that one day pride entered into his heart, and we see it in Isaiah 14, the five I wills. He says, I will ascend into heaven. I will make my stars above the throne of God. I will be like the Most High. He cannot usurp God, but he certainly can be like Him. He wanted to be like Him. And basically say, move over, let Lucifer take over, you know. It was pride. Dr. Barnhouse says the shortest definition of pride or sin is I will. And... uh, So we also see in Ezekiel 28, the other part that we understand about him, using uh, the prophets talking about the, uh, using the metaphor through the king of Tyre, he's talking about Satan, how he was created the highest of the cherubim. He was created in beauty and excellence. and There was no nothing in God's creative power that had more power than this angelic being, yet he fell. And he fell uh, because iniquity was found in him. Iniquity is spiritual anarchy, it's overstepping the divine law, it's it's going too far. You know, it's overstepping authority. And so since then, he has been at enmity, at war against God. Hasn't the world and hasn't Satan done a great job into masquerading that and making that fairy tale? Yeah, there's good and evil up there, they're warring and all that. No, they're not warring. God is allowing sin and Satan to run its course. God has ultimate control. He has never lost control. He's never He's not in a fight for His life. He is the life. And as human history comes to a culmination, if you will, we see that as time goes on, this satanic activity, this lying, these false prophets are regaining more and more momentum. Look at the fact of what they did to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not far to understand where Satan is angered at not only humanity, but God himself. What's the best way for Satan to get back at God? Through what he loves the most. His trolling. You know, we all know this, but if, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, let me just read it. Here's the first prophecy that we see talking about the Messiah. It's, it's wonderful. Okay, Adam and Eve, well, Eve was deceived, she fell into sin. I don't think Adam wanted to lose his wife, personally, so he, he falls into sin as well deliberately. He knew deliberately. He was taught and told deliberately from God that what the prohibition was. And he was given unprecedented ease. You know, that's what I always taught was taught from my father. Raising kids, you know, you can either raise them in a, in a, a tyrannical atmosphere where you have them so tight in a suit they can't move Rebellion is sure to break out then. Or you could give them ground. But but when you give them ground, there's parameters that they must not cross. For him it was lying. And it was cheating and it was stealing. You don't lie. okay? And God gave Adam and Eve the whole, all of Eden, with a very, very wide parameter, with just one prohibition. But yet, listen to this. The first in the Bible we read about is in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. This is right after God pronounced the curse upon Satan, a few verses up. He says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. In other words, between you and man, between your seed and her seed. I will bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. A direct reflection of what happened on the cross. Jesus Christ was bruised on the cross, but he dealt a death blow to the adversary's head. He's a finished, defeated foe. And we see a very logical consequence all through time. You know, the world is not getting better, it's getting worse. Evolution is a lie because man's a spirit being, he's a moral, ethical, spiritual being, and that has not evolved. That has digressed. Evolution says we need we <coughs> evolving. We came from a protoplasm, or what have you, and we're evolving, and everything is getting better, and, and God or man's gonna read utopian someday and, and <laughs> that's nonsense. Morally, physically, ethically, and spiritually, man is devolving, not evolving. And why this is happening, our chief adversary, is he knows his time is short. So he's running the gamut of human history. We know that the end, when we come to this la- the last of the last and the end days, what is this Armageddon all about? Do you know that when Christ comes back and stops Armageddon, rescues his people Israel, there's something that's significant that's going to happen for the first thou- for the thousand year reign that Christ is going to reign on this earth, From the throne of his father David, something significant is going to happen concerning this adversary. God is going to cast him into a pit where he cannot go around and deceiving and create his havoc. So for a thousand years, we're going to have the kingdom of God and the righteous rule of Christ. But after this thousand years, another significant thing is going to happen regarding our adversary. He's going to be released. For a short time, and and he's going to go about the breadth of the whole earth, and he's going to deceive people, just as he's been doing. And all these deceivable people are going to come against the, the, the rule of God. Of course, fire will come down from heaven. And the Bible says there is a third significant thing that's going to happen to this adversary. God himself will pluck him into the lake of fire, or he will be there tormented forever and ever. That is what the Bible says that the less or the history of this adversary is. Well, we have a, an interesting thing in Revelation 12, where when things really start heating up, Satan is cast out from heaven. In other words, he doesn't have any, any kind of uh, entrance there at all. And the Bible says that, Woe do you you to you, and inhabit the earth, because great wrath from Satan is going to come down, because he knows his time is short. Satanic activity is constantly building. So what does that have to do with us? False prophets, false teachers, lying. I want to start this morning with quoting to you from what the Apostle Paul says. We've gone over this before. Hey kids. 2 Corinthians 11 is probably the most definitive reason why there are false teachers. Why there are false prophets. You know, the Apostle Paul was warning about this in the last days. He says, well, what do I have to do? I will also continue to do and I may, that I may cut off the opportunity of those who desire an opportunity to be regarded as just as we are and the things of which we boast. And in other words, there are those people that are coming in that that they want to be predominant. And they're they're teaching false doctrine, these false uh, apostles. Listen to this. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder. He says, and no wonder. For Satan himself to transforms himself into an angel of light. Listen to this. Therefore, it is no great thing that if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. Here's where we start to understand why false teaching is abounding. People don't understand why. Why do I have to know the truth from error? You know. Why do I have to know? How, why is it important? Because your very eternal destiny depends on it. God wants to be believed. And God has set forth the gospel of Jesus Christ, and there is a way to God, and there is a way to live this Christian life, and the Bible puts it down. And yet there are false prophets and false teachers out there, and they are abounding. And so we get a little bit of understanding. They're abounding and they're increasing because Satan does not want people saved. Satan's a destroyer of their soul. God says, I don't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And repentance simply means to turn from your sinful ways and turn to Christ who bore your sin. And so we understand now the ferocity of this false teaching is because who's behind it all? It's Satan. It is the prince of power of the air. It's what the Bible calls the God of this age. And he is very real. And he's done a great job through the ages in trying to make people not believe in him. You know, growing up, we all know the devil is that red pitchfork, that funny-looking guy and you know, all that. That's what he wants to do. Make him as such a ridiculous non-reality of life that you won't believe in him. So then humanism comes in. You know, that's all what Satanism is. It's all humanism. You know, we can do it, we can be this, and that's his chief end. Let's read a few of these verses in, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, and then we'll get back into, into our text and look at this. "...but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction." Look at verse 2. "...and many, not a few, many will follow their destructive ways." because of whom the day of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, verse 3, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. Now before we get into the rest of this, I wanted to first of all start this morning you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but in Jeremiah 23, we touched a little bit about this, but I want to tell you that it connects with what Peter's saying. Because Peter will also say a very descriptive connection between the past and the future. In the end of this book, when we be talking about the flood, there's people that are going to mock, and they're going to say, hey, Where's the promise of his coming? All things have continued as it was way since the early fathers. And Peter says an amazing thing. We've talked about this before. He said, in the past, they're ignorant of this fact that God you know, destroyed the earth by a deluge of water. But he says, something, he says by this same word, God has reserved the heavens and the earth for judgment, for fire. It's a connection from, from the old to the new. And we see that here. When he says, there were false prophets back then among the people, There were going to be false teachers now among you. The surety of it then is the more surety of it now. Because their predictions of the coming Messiah has come true. You know, you can't read Isaiah 53 without going, I either believe this is from God or I don't. It makes idiots out of all of our reasoning faculties to see Isaiah 53, how God was pleased to bruise his son, how he bore our iniquities, and then you go through the prophets speaking of resurrection of the dead and so forth. So there's that connective part about there was false prophets back then, and there's gonna be it now. Do you know there are people that are that are are sitting in Hades right now waiting for judgment because they've listened to false teaching and they thought that was right? Or as my wife likes to say, I love this, there are many people sitting in there waiting judgment because they're afraid of what their friends would think. They're afraid of what their colleagues would think, you know. They were afraid that if they, you know, they'd be some Jesus freaking. Truth is truth. Truth is truth. Jeremiah, amongst the they call him the weeping prophet, he was imprisoned, he was put in stocks, which uh, you know, I don't have time to go through his life. But I want to read you something real quick a passage uh, about this. Listen to this closely. It's in Jeremiah 23. Just listen. Thus says the Lord, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision from their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, The Lord has said, You shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. Now, before I finish the rest real quick, okay, let's let's talk about this here. The same peace. Hey, you know what? Don't worry about it. God loves everybody. You know? It even says so, right? God so loved the world. Don't worry about it. God is a God of love. He would never send anybody to hell. Is that right? Why did Christ come into the world? Do you know that was the apex of human history? As we talked about, the cross was the apex of human history. The Bible says at just the right time, Christ died. So there's something that is going here. The cross shows God's hatred against sin, and yet His love to forgive it. That's why the cross divides men. But listen to this. So these prophets are saying, hey man, there's peace ahead. Don't worry about it. No evil is going to happen to you. God loves you. Look at verse 18. Well, verse 18 says, And he who has stood, for who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury. A violent whirlwind will fall violently on the head of the wicked. In other words, his word will come true, and it will come true speedily. Have I not sent these prophets I have not sent these prophets and yet they ran. I have not spoken to them yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and have caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way and from their evil doings. Listen to this. I am a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God far off. Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I will not see him? This is penetrating. This is God speaking. Yeah. Can a man hide himself in any secret places so that I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? God knows everything about us. He knows everything that we've done, everything that we will do. He is God. He doesn't have a time. He has its eternity. But He peers time for you and I. So that's what we have. That's the spirit of the prophets as far as false prophecy right there. Many prophets talk about People going out and God saying, I didn't send them, that they went out proposing to talk about me. But I didn't send them. It would be like if, if somebody went out and, and, and spoke about my wife and they're saying that I sent them to do it. No, I didn't. You know? And, and that, that angers God. There's a fearful judgment that is heading for these false uh, prophets and teachers. So we'll get into that. So back in 2 Peter 2.1, there will be false prophets among the people. There were. Even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. A heresy is the, not only departure from the truth, but it is treating the truth in a lie. It is twisting the truth. It is maligning it. It is not saying truth. Truth is Truth. What we would say today, it's not shooting from the hip. It's speaking out of a fork at tongue. What we have in all cults today, no cult says, hey, I'm a cult, I'm falsity, don't follow me, because nobody would. It's like a baked potato. They get the skin of the truth stuffed with a lie. So it catches people, and people don't know the truth. False prophets and false teachers are going to come in it's not if they come in, it's when they come in. Destructive heresies. You know, Jesus in Matthew 24, this is wonderful. Uh, I have debated a guy who uh, claimed to be a Christian psychologist. And he said that this is what, isn't what Jesus said as far as first of, of an answer to three questions. But he really didn't mean what he said. In Matthew 24, his disciples came to him, and he was just ending, you know, this is at the end of his ministry here. Things were really heating up. And they, you know, there were certain Pharisees that said, hey, you know, are you going to follow this now? Oh, you know, you're a religious leader, so speak. you search the scriptures. Does anybody come from Galilee? No prophet comes from Galilee. But they were hidden from their own scriptures, because Michael 5.2 sp- explicitly says... From you, O Bethlehem, the smallest of the clan of Judah, will come forth a ruler. He will come forth from me to rule the people of Israel. His going is from everlasting. So things are really heating up, you know. And uh, so they sat down and they said, Lord, what will happen at the end of the days? What's it going to be like when you come back? You know, and we all know about the rumors of wars, you know, Uh, wars have been with us for uh, a long time. Um. Anyway, my, my sons have fought in wars. Earthquakes, famines, you know, they are increasing, yes. They're becoming more global, yes. But he said, the first thing he said, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in My name, saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. That word Christ means the Anointed One. There have been... We could sit here for hours, uh, from David Koresh to Charles Manson, to all these people, to all the Eastern gurus, to all these people that claim to be it. They claim to be the Anointed One. They claim to have the truth. And if Jesus said this first and foremost... He goes on to say later in that chapter that many false prophets will arise. So if the Master says that we need that we need to uh, take heed to it, I think there's a lot of people out there that claim to be Christians, and and we have no way of you know we can't judge whether they're right standing with God or not. But this is no big deal to them, and these are the ones that get into these these you know the, these weird forms of Christianity and and. Uh, Uh, Self destruct. We have a movement today, and I will just name it once, called IHOP, the International House of Prayer, that is sweeping the youth of this nation. It will not be very far before it will go globally if it has not gone beyond these shores now. They're having new apostles, new prophets, new revelations. you know, and it's happening on such a... They have the veneer of the truth, but the lie is underneath. False prophets everywhere. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Listen to this. Now the Spirit expressly says, in other words, he means business. It's first and foremost, that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. There we go. Satan seems to pop up everywhere when we talk about false doctrine. I want to know the truth. He's the hater of my soul. I have the Lord Jesus Christ, the lover of my soul, and dying for it. And yet I have his chief adversary, the one, you want to know what a chief adversary is, who is fixing on your demise. Satan was out to get rid of of Christ from the very get-go. Jeremiah prophesied there would be a day of their weeping in Rama. Rachel reaping for her children. It was a prophecy of the fact that when, when you know we celebrated, you know, we have the Nativity scene, the Magi, the whole thing. What was that really all about? Herod, King Herod wanted to know where this one born the king of the Jews was. He was jealous. He wanted to know where he was at. So he sent the wise men to call him to, uh, by the way, there, there was more than three, I'm sure. And they found, you know, they found where the child was born, and they were warned by God to go another way, because Herod wanted to kill him. So when these people didn't come back that way, Herod wanted to kill this Christ child, but he didn't know who he was or where he was, so he put a decree out. From every child two years and under, he had slaughtered. That's the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy. That's just one thing. They were trying they were trying to de- demise to kill him all the time when he had his earthly ministry. Satan in Mark chapter four and elsewhere, when he went up on the hill, Satan tempted him, hey, get on the top of the pinnacle and throw yourself down, because the Bible says, misquoting the last part of that verse where you know the angels will catch you and you'll you know you'll strike your foot against a stone and all that. Just like Satan's always doing twisting and lying about the truth. So Jesus goes to the cross. Wow. Your adversary pops up in there again. Do you know that the religious leaders are saying, If you're the Christ, come down from the cross, and we will believe on you then. Just, Just come down from the cross. Do you know if Jesus came down from the cross, that you and I would not be saved today? Because when he died upon the cross, he said, It is finished. What is finished? The will of God. He came down to die for the sin of the world, and it is finished. And he bowed his head, and he died. So Satan was trying, through through his religious people, trying to get Jesus down from the cross. Jesus down from the cross. Now we have groups out there that are just, you know, don't take my word for it. Please check it out if it interests you. Then we have people out there now, sects of Christianity, that say, well, you know what? Jesus really didn't die on the cross. You know, somebody died in this place. That's what the Mormons believe. Or then you have other cults out there that say, well, you know, Jesus didn't really rise physically from the grave and the body he was crucified with. He was raised as spirit being. Those are his witnesses. We have all these things that want to twist the word of God. You know, Satan has been doing this since time began. We can trace all through the word. And now, Satan's going to get at the church. He's going to try to divide it. He's going to try to twist it. He's going to try to stop people from entering it. In other words, if I can tell you a lie and make you believe it, and keep you from being saved, I've done my job. By the way, let me add this one thing too. Knowing the truth, believing the truth, following the truth, makes you a better father, a better husband. It makes you uh, makes you a better employee. Everything you do, because you know the truth, and and you know that the truth of God is not a lie. There's, no, you know. And so you don't want, you know the truth, and the truth has saved you, and the truth has set me free, and, and I know where I'm going. I know where I came from, I know why I'm here, and I know where I'm going. There's the three basic uh, questions that everybody says, where they said it out loud or it's in their conscience, you know, because of Christ. And then these false teachers will come in, and they will try to teach you and tell you a lie. John, Wrong 2 John, he says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not profess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. What does that mean? That Christ came in the flesh. Christ came in the flesh for you and for me. He came for one thing not to be a good moral teacher, which he was, not to be a good moral exampleist, which he was not to preach the Sermon on the Mount and expect us to live it, which he did preach the Sermon on the Mount. What he came is to die for sinners. That's why he came. He came to die. That's the chief end why he came. So ones that deny that are the spirit of Antichrist. They're a deceiver. So they're going to bring in destructive heresies. They're going to say, well, Jesus is one form of, of, of the truth. You know, the Baha'i faith, which, which if you think about it, is probably one of the more ecumenical faiths uh, out there. And they say that Jesus was a prophet for his time. They're waiting for for their own Buddha Allah, if, or if I can't pronounce that correctly, excuse me, that's that's gonna come and you're gonna deny all humanity. You have other other faces say, Well, he was a prophet and and he was a good prophet, but but he wasn't you know the prophet and so forth. All these people are gonna lie to you. Have you been lying to? Yeah. Destructive heresies. we need to speak the truth if people don't like it you leave the results to god we need to speak the truth and leave the results to him i would rather have somebody a, a family member or anybody be you know treat me as a lunatic you know be upset or whatever with the the prayer that God would bring them to their senses and they would know the truth. I'd rather suffer that. I can deal with that. But what I can't deal with is just passing by and saying, oh, well, you know, God is good, and and hopefully they'll hear the truth sometime. We need to speak the truth. And I think some of us are are lacking in that. I think we're afraid at people. You know that God talking about false prophets and, and also saying to His true prophets... Don't be afraid of their faces. Tell the truth. Because these that are coming in are praying destructive heresies, and they're, they're after your children. If nothing else gets you to speak the truth, think about that. You have children and grandchildren. The enemy's out there to speak lies to them. Do you want the enemy to speak a lie to your kids? Or to your grandkids? Or the people you sit under? Or Aunt Mabel that goes to a little bit less a church, and, and I don't want to make her upset because she's old and everything like that, so I'm just going to let her, you know, do what she wants to do, and knowing that she's living a lie. These people are even denying the Lord who bought them. They are flat out denying Jesus Christ who came into this world. Do you know the first thing that Christ says was, was a dialogue that we understand between Him and His Father? You know what it was? We find it in the book of Hebrews. He said, I have come to do thy will, O God. You have prepared a body for me. Why was that body prepared? It was prepared for you and I. That he would walk this earth. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He walked this earth in a body that his Father prepared for him to live a life that we could not live. He was sinless. He did all the things that pleased the Father. And he, by the way, he was the embodiment of joy. And he went to the cross and he took upon your and I, mine sin upon his own body on the tree, Peter says. And that God struck him in judgment and then raised him again the third day. And the same body was crucified. And only God can do that. As proof that our sins are gone if we place our trust in Christ. That's the destructive heresy of the truth that people will malign. They'll take that truth that I just explained and they will they will malign it away. And there's so many different ways of doing it. But it's destructive. <coughs> and they're going to lie to you. We need to know the truth. I think that's a problem of the truth. What we need in the church today is boldness to speak the truth. You know, there's so many pastors and people that are afraid to lose congregate, con- you know people in their church. They think that the money will go down because most of them are making... You know, exuberant salaries. I read you uh, the other week the Albert Mole report. Written from an atheist point of view, two atheists. <coughs> they took they took pastors from different denominations of Christianity and they exposed them. They don't believe in the virgin birth, they don't believe that Christ died for a sin. In fact, they don't believe we even the atonement. But they do with a lot of them, and it's prevalent today, the money, the prestige. They like doing it, they don't have to work. Let me tell you something. You know, if somebody is behind a pulpit or listening, and they they are not working, don't listen to them. It's work. And he says in verse two that many will follow. And that's the thing that that really has my attention. Many will follow them. Many. God always works through a remnant. You know, a remnant means a small truth core of the whole. Many will follow them. Many will follow them have warning their itch. listen to this. My friends, this is going on all over the place. Paul, he's leaving this world. Just like we're in Second Peter chapter two, and in Second Peter, he's leaving this world. He's given urgent warnings. What are the urgent warnings about? Paul and Tim, Paul and Peter <coughs> have the same warnings as they're leaving this earth. Of of these people that are going to come in and they're gonna they're gonna destroy this precious faith that we have. He said, Preach the word to Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, convince, with all long suffering and teaching. Listen to this, for the time will come, friends, this it's here now. The time will come when they will not endure sound teaching, but according to their own desires, they will heap. Or because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers in their own accord. In other words, they'll read, they'll put up teachers they want to hear. Joel Olston, you can have your best life now. You know, without the cross, you don't need the cross. You don't. You don't need the. God wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to have your best life now. That's a lie. This life is preparation for eternity. This life is nothing compared to eternity. The Bible says that 70 by 80 years of due to strength, and then we're gone. We're gone. But eternity is something we can't fathom, because it goes on forever. Again, eternity is a long time to be wrong. And if somebody who rejects Jesus Christ, I am not telling them they are wrong. God's Word is telling them that they are wrong. And people in their pride don't want to hear that. But you know, there is truth. I'm proof of that. I was taught the truth. I was told the truth. I received the truth and I was changed. And I've never been the same since. Has my life been a bed of roses? Absolutely not. We've all talked about it. I believe that's the reason. one of the big reasons why the flower children in the 60s went out. You know, let's just stick a flower in our hair and, and just sit down, and Jesus is beautiful. You know, and then so when problems come, they stumble and they fall. And like Jesus says, when, when they get offended with the word, they leave. There's no, there's no truth there. It's like having cotton candy for dinner. You can know, you eat it, you eat it, eat it. It never has any substance to it. You know, listen to this. Many will follow these false teachers we just read. You know, Not only Second Timothy, but what Jesus said. Especially in the last days. These cults, liberal churches, and occultic movements, which are rapidly spreading all over our land, are speaking in the name of Jesus, or the Christ, but they'll never speak to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. is our Lord and Savior. He is the one that has saved us. Because they don't believe in a God that created everything it could be a God that could redeem mankind. And we've talked about before, the one who spoke in this universe, sprang into existence, is also the one that came down and died for the sin of the world. Jesus said an amazing thing. Unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sin. And that's the target these false teachers... Uh, Will aim at. It's prevalent. You know, I know that some of those that some of those that are listening on the internet, whatever they, it's hard to it's hard to understand the ferocity of what's going out there today in the name of Christianity. But I'll tell you something, the truth is this the Word. It's the Word and the Word alone. We have so many times in the Word that we don't need new apostles, we don't need new revelations, we don't need new new prophets. The Bible says, for all eternity, thy Word is settled in heaven. Every word of it is true from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 these false teachers will come in and they'll destroy you. And if they can't, they, you know, if you're a Christian, if you're born of God, they, you know, Satan cannot destroy your soul, but he can make you ineffective. We've talked about this before. He can make you believe falsity, although you are saved, you your life is in a mess, you're no witness. Until you repent and come to know the truth. our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. This is a hard message to give. But it's something I think that is sorely needed today. And I will continue as a thrust of of, as long as I am here. Because I've been lied to. You've been lied to. We've all been lied to. It hurts. The last thing you want to do is be told from a trusted friend or especially the Lord Himself falsity or lies Is it from Him? I want to know the truth. You'll never be the same. Again. The truth. So many are going to follow them. This way of truth at the end of verse 2 will be blasphemed. By covetousness, verse three, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, the judgment has not been idle. In other words, God, this is no surprise to God. Jesus said, took a parable about a landowner had a fruit fertile land, and his, his servants went out and they, and they sowed seed, you know, and and the seed started coming up, and the servant says, "Wait a minute, man! I thought you gave us good seed. How come there's wheat here and growing with tares? Tares look a lot like wheat until they get the head. The wheat gets the head, the tares don't." But when they're growing together, they look a lot alike. And he said, should we go in the field and tear all this stuff out? He says, no. You let them grow together. Because at the end of the age, I'll take care of it. The angels will come in they'll they'll take care of the the falsity. Let them grow together. For whatever reason, God is allowing this to happen. But yet, the truth be known. Whenever there's the truth, there's always falsity. I don't care what anybody says. And I think that uh, that's going to be seen everywhere. The real deal is the real deal. These things aren't slumbering. Their judgment is not far off. I want to read you something in Jude 4. Remember about their, their deceptive words, their covetousness, and for a long time their judgment's not idle. Listen to this. In the little letter of Jude, he says, For certain men, this is for us today, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness, and denied the only Lord God and our Master, Jesus Christ. They're lying to you. What is it going to take to convince people that they need a Savior? What is it going to convince people that the truth has already come? You know, there was no there was no more seeker of the truth, I believe, as guarding the Messiah, is that the Jews were. And that they rejected Jesus of Nazareth as being the Christ of God. They rejected him. And God said, Because you rejected me, I'm going to destroy this place. And Jesus said it's going to be destroyed. And in 70 AD, The Romans came in and destroyed it. And true to the Word of God, the Jew was on every end of the globe. But yet we see another thing. They were seekers of truth. They wanted their Messiah. They wanted the Christ so bad. But we see at the end of the times in Zechariah chapter 12. We'll be in there probably uh, in another week or two. When they see Christ coming back, they are going to mourn for Him as if one mourns for his only Son. In other words, they're going to see him coming back, and they're going, that's him! That's the one we crucified and rejected! And all these thousands of years, it was him that's our Messiah. That's the truth! That's one great example of of the truth. What is it going to do to bring people to the truth when Satan has so many false lies out there? You know, reincarnation, remember when that that was big? Oh, you can reincarnate, you just, you know, whatever you do in this life, is bad karma or good karma, you know, you come back, there is no such thing as reincarnation. That is a devilish lie. There is no second chance beyond the grave. That is a devilish lie. We see that in Luke 16 and elsewhere. The Bible says that today is the day. If God is speaking to you and revealing the truth that Jesus is the truth, He's the He's the Christ. He came and died in your place. You need forgiveness of sins, and if you turn to Him, He will forgive you and give you eternal life. He'll forgive you of your sins. That's the truth. But there's so many false, much falsity out there that's denying that truth, that's going into the churches, that's penetrating the world, that are going after our kids, that are going after our loved ones, that are going after the world. And a lot of ways that they do it is they have pastors up here that shouldn't be up there. They don't speak with any power. They don't speak the truth. Well... He says verse 4, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, and has delivered them to chains of darkness, I'm almost through here, to be reserved for judgment. If God didn't spare the angels who sinned, but He's holding them for judgment. Look at verse 5. Let's go on from there, and we'll get back into this context and wrap it up. And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah... One of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood in the world of, a God, of the ungodly, Noah. You can read of it in chapter 7 of Genesis. Noah. Eight people. Noah and his seven family members were saved through the ark, and people have made fun of that forever. But you know what the Bible says? Guess who when they the last animal, when everything got in there, who shut the top of the ark? God did. And say and saved people. Through that. People mock it. Well, that was a localized flood. Well, that was, and they mock it. Peter says in the last days, people are going to be mocking it. What is the promise of this one that's coming? But you can, again, read about the flood in Genesis chapter 7. It's interesting. Let's go on. Look at verse 6 and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. Condemn them to destruction, making them an example of those who afterwards would live in Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus said that those two, Noah and Lot, will be the same prevalent attitude and atmosphere on this world when he comes back. You can read about Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot's in Genesis 19. God is going to judge sin. That is a fact. And either your sin is going to have been judged in Christ and received that forgiveness, or you are going to give an account for your sin to the judge. Two roads. Jesus said, I am the narrow road, and few will find it. Yet the broad road, all kinds of religion, all kinds of philosophies, you know, live your best life now, you know, plan and plan and plan, because this life is all you have it's a bunch of rubbish. You know, remember that story of the kid that was in the third story, or excuse me, it was the second story, and the building was on fire. And uh, everybody was out of the building but, but the kid, and he was crying out. And, he, and the, um, down below, the all the firemen were saying, Jump, jump. And the kid says, I can't jump. I can't see you. That's the people with with the Bible and truth. They can't see the truth. What is the truth? You have so many different parts of the truth. But the fireman down there said, don't worry, we can see you. See, that's God's truth. God's truth sees us in every avenue of our life, that we need forgiveness of sins, that we need to be forgiven. And and so the, the, the fireman said, jump! And it took some convincing, but finally, the words that don't worry about it, we can see you, the kid jumped, and he was saved. You know, we try to figure everything out. You know, life all, is all figured out, right? Boy, we, you know. Well, the more I fig- try to figure life out, the more I realize I don't know about life. There's one uncertainty, and that's life itself. We've all had people die too, too soon. They've not lived out their potential. Life gives no guarantees. At all. I had a nephew that died at eight days old. I've had friends that have died young. I had a sister that died young. We've all had people that died young. Death has no favorites. Many of those are going to fall. God judged the demonstrations of judgment against sin. Otherwise, the cross would would have a lot less uh, backing from prophecy, if you will. All these are demonstrations that God judges sin. Noah, the angels, Sodom and Gomorrah, and so forth. If those people didn't escape, how in the world do you think you are going to escape without Christ? You can't. It's Christ or judgment. That's not my word. That's that's the Bible's word. I am indignant about people that want to tell that want to speak falsity. I get upset when I go into the the store, even our own store down here, that it seems like every other week there's a new book about these prosperity teachers that tell you lies. And they're not only getting getting millions from the people that go to their big contracts. They're making millions of the royalties in their book, because everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to live forever. And everybody wants to know the secret of having perfectly white teeth, a perfect wife, a perfect job, and a perfect life, where nothing wrong happens. And these destructive teachers are leading these people to hell. And yeah, it is a problem. We need to tell it straight, man. And God tells us straight. That's why the Bible must be viewed as God's revelation to, of Himself to man. It's not the other way around. The Bible says that men were moved along by the power of the Holy Spirit and penned these words. There's too much factual evidence. there is too much, If it's presented logically and right, there's too much evidence to show that this Bible is the Word of God. It has stood the test of time. People have tried to get rid of it. People have tried to ban it. People have tried to twist it. And yet, here it is. It's settled forever in heaven. Millions have followed it. Millions have, have, uh, have relied on it for truth. I want to know the truth. Your kids want to know the truth. We all want to know the truth. You know, it's like that one uh, story. It was in the uh, movie Jaws. Remember when, if you've seen it, remember when Quint—they're all—they caught a shark, and they like, that's it, that's it, man. We caught the shark that's been killing, you know, the little kinder boy and all these other things. And and uh, and uh, what was the guy's name? The oceanographer. Anyway, he's all well. The bite radius doesn't really fit. It doesn't really fit. It could be the shark, but it doesn't really fit. And he comes over to Brody's house that night, and he goes, "Look, man, let's go and cut open the shark, okay?" The digestive system is slow, it's got this thing open. Whatever he's eaten in the last 24 hours is bound to be in there. Then we'll be sure. We all want to be sure, right? So they go and do it. We all want to be sure. Let's take a look at the Bible and expose these false teachers. The only way they are going to be exposed is the word of God. That's the only way. It's the only way these false teachers and prosperity people and all that are going to be exposed. Well, that's that's your truth. This is my truth. I, just, you know, um, I was telling Barb before I heard a great thing the other day about defending of truth. You know, well, I have my truth. The problem with that is, is if you have your own truth, when you die, your truth dies with you. But the Word of God is eternal truth. It doesn't depend on me. It doesn't depend on my longevity of life. It depends on God, because He is the truth. Hence, Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Let's be honest. I don't normally speak this way, but, uh, you know, time is running short. And um, as time runs short, these false teachers really, really gain predominance. So, in verse 7, He delivered; he delivered righteous lot was oppressed to fulfil the conduct of the wicked. For the righteous man dwelling among them was tormented, his righteous soul from day to day, seeing and hearing the lawless deeds. If you don't know about Sodom and Gomorrah, read about it. You think uh, homosexuality is rampant now? I'll just end in verse nine. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. He knows especially those who walk according to the flesh and the lust of uncleanness, and they despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. In other words, they're insolent. You know what the word insolent means? It despises authority. When you despise authority, you have anarchy. It may be anarchy in the home, then it goes to anarchy in society, then it goes to anarchy globally, then it goes to anarchy chiefly against God, that must be judged. That must be held in account. We are created beings, and by that very thing, we are accountable to our Creator, whether we like it or not. But God is a God of love. And these false teachers will tell you, God is is strict, He's mean, uh, He's unknowable. You know, that's what agnosticism is. We've talked about that before, an agnostic. Well, I'm an agnostic. Well, if you were an agnostic, you're one step away from being an atheist, which there really is no atheism. Because agnostics, again, we've talked about this before, say, well, there's, there, there, there could be a God, but you can't prove it. And the Bible, well, you know, it has problems in it or not. These teachers will come in and they'll say, well, you know, you have to be, you have to be cautious, you know. You're, you're a smart person. And you, you got a PhD, and you got all these. You've got to be kind of wise and look at the Bible, and don't, you know, don't put your eggs in one basket. My eggs are in one basket. He has never failed me. He has never left me. He has never let me down. He's always taken care of me. He has given me joy when I don't ex- don't expect it. We've gone through some of the worst times in our life, my wife and I, are, and. And it's like, there's an inner gladness, that joy that just springs up. And we, you don't even know why. That's because Christ is the answer. He's life, not our circumstances or what we look forward to. And these false teachers will tell you, no. No, that's a reality. That's a fairy tale. False teaching. But the Bible says that Upon the wicked he will rain coals, and fire, and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. Look at what the redeemed, you and I, that have Christ, are going are to do at the end when he sets up his eternal kingdom. Listen to this. It says in Isaiah 66, And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of men who transgressed against me. The worm does not die, nor is their fire quenched, and they will be at to all flesh. Do you know in Jesus in Mark 9, 44, 46, and 48, said those same words about those rejecting? I think I'll end here. You know, I think that, that people have a wrong conception about God. Certainly these false teachers will not give you a right perception about God. God is a God of love. The greatest description of Him came from the Apostle John. He says, God is love. He's love. He loves you, but your sin is keeping you separated from Him. The devil says that all he wants to do is bind you up, man. He wants to give you all these rules, and he wants to make your life so binding that you're going to be miserable. Really? No, the Bible states just the opposite. He wants to free you from the shackles of sin, because that's all sin is. Jesus said whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. You know, you're a servant, you're a captive, you're a slave outside of Christ. Jesus came to give life and give it abundantly. All the sin past, present and future was heaped upon him, and by turning to him and receiving that forgiveness of sins, we have eternal life. Let me ask one thing, and I ask not only here, but on the internet. If you were to die tonight, do you know where you will be? Do you know the outcome of eternity? We're going to live we're eternal beings. You know, that's another lie of these false teachers. Well, when you die, you die. You just go in the grave and that's it. (laughs) No, God says He puts eternity in the hearts of men. I know. My own father used to believe that way. Until a short while, and my wife will bear witness that, until a short while before his death, he didn't believe that way anymore. Everybody knows that there is something beyond the grave. God puts His witness there. So if we were to die tonight, do you know where you would be? And that's the premise that these false teachers will try to false and give you safety. False and give you peace. God, you know, you're all right. You know, geez, at least you haven't killed anybody. You know? Dr. Barnhouse used to use that scale. Some people say, well, inadvertently, they all say, well, I'm 90% good. He's 65% bad. I'll surely all make it. We're all sinners. And Christ died for us that we might live and have forgiveness of sins. That is the gospel. And it's very simple, actually. And I'll end with this statement. And if you ever hear the gospel account of anything that deviates from this, you know it's falsity. I'll tell you the gospel. Very, very simply, Paul laid out. There's no room for argument here. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which, which I preach to you, which also you received, and which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast to that word to which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain, listen to this. Here's the gospel. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which i received that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that three he rose from the dead 3 days later according to the scriptures that is the gospel Christ died for my sin. He was buried three days later. He rose in the body he was crucified with. He ascended into heaven, and he's there for me, and he's coming back. He offers forgiveness of sins. And it seems like such a simple, simple gospel, and it is, and yet it is profound. It will save your life. Paul says, "I, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. It's the power. It's the gospel. I just want to end today in saying if there's if there is anybody that is hearing me either, like I said, through this internet or or here that is not sure of their salvation, that is not sure that their sins are forgiven. You're not here by chance. You're not listening to this by chance. And that you want to be sure. But you can come and ask because everyone that Jesus called, he called publicly. And if you've been listening to false teaching and and false lies, most of us have heard falsity about about God in the Bible and about Jesus. You know, I was growing up and I knew Jesus and and God were related somehow. And I realize now, before God gripped me with the truth, I heard falsity and stuff before I became a Christian. I remember early on in high school, the falsity of evolution. Remember the monkeys on the, on, monkeys on the little timetable? We were hearing that there really was no objective truth. Objective truth, really? Truth is not objective. Truth is a person. Truth is a reality. There is only one truth when it comes to the things of God, and Jesus claims to be it. Either he's a lunatic or or he's Lord. You have to come to grips with that. So I look back at my life. I came to Christ at 22. I look back at my life, and and I've been lied to a lot. You can make it on your own. I will tell you tonight, if today, if you die today without Christ, you'll end up in a place called Hades. And Hades is like a holding cell waiting judgment. And there are a lot of your friends that have died without Christ that are there right now, right now, and they're waiting for judgment because they refuse the gift of eternal life. Cam, do you want to pray, please? Father, we come to you in thanksgiving and in prayer, praying that those that uh, need to believe will. We thank you for your word. It is truth. It has never failed. It will never fail. And it's the truth that we hold everything up beside to tell what in this life is true and one of what in this life is false and we thank you for your truth your faithfulness to us always thank you in the name of christ our creator and our redeemer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was weird that somebody says "Well, oh, i've been in christ 25 years and he's living worse than your neighbor that doesn't even know god next door something's wrong here I want us all to be able to look back and see growth. That we've grown not only in the Word of God, but we've grown in the character of God. We are wasting our time here, if all we're learning here is doctrine. But when we learn what doctrine, is surrounded by the love of Christ, we know our Savior. Do you know the voice of Jesus Christ versus the voice of a false teacher or a wolf? Well, let me tell you. Far be it from me to want to be insinuous about the truth, but let me let me ask you something in closing. How about if somebody came to you and said, You know, man, I couldn't believe yesterday I had such a great experience with God. I was in I was in fellowship and prayer. And you know what Jesus said to me? He came back and he comforted me. He said, you know, child, he said, I need you a lot more than you need me. It was wonderful. That's what Sarah Young does in her book, Jesus Calling, amongst many other things. And I'm not picking on her or her book. What I'm saying is that there are false prophets. There are false things coming in. There are everywhere that are saying, I've heard from God. Really? God needs me a lot more than I need Him? You better fear God now, you're going to love to love Him. But He is the God of creation. And He has the right to do what He wants to do. If he wanted to wipe everything out and start fresh, that was his right to do it. If he wanted to stop with with, with the the Israelites in the in the in the desert, Sam, done. He could have done it. He could have Eon's past, knowing all things, says, you know what? I don't want to see my son falsely condemned. I don't want to see people. Hating Him. I don't want to see my son being beaten like that. Think about your sons or your daughters. Would you want to see them treated like that? I wouldn't want to see anybody pull out my son's beard and whip him senseless and beat him. And then, knowing that he was going to go to the cross to bear the sin of the world. You talk about a load that is born patiently. That's how much God loves us. No, we need him. We need him. He's the one that we live or die by. We all live on that razor's edge between life and death. People that don't, they're deluded. Oh, I got many, I, you know. No, we, we love all to live for retirement age or whatever, but you know what? That's just not a fact i lost two really good friends out of high school, right out of high school. And I lost another one at 23 years old. Life is no guarantee. But that's what the world says, oh, you yeah, have plenty of time. It is the truth to be received. It is truth to be believed. It's the truth that, that you can see that growth only comes from Him. Are there any Are there any questions? close, This is truth that needs to be communicated today. This is the perseverance that Peter's talking about in verse 6 and just the Christian life. Are we going to preserve? Are we going to uh, carry on? Because if you follow that line of truth all through the Bible, and I promise I will close with this. I'm sorry, folks. This is exciting and this is important. One of my my favorite verses or uh, psalms is Psalm 37. You know, there's all type of things in there. But you know, God keeps us and preserves us. And in, in Psalm 37, verse 28, it says, The Lord loves justice. He loves justice. Justice happened on the cross for you and I. Did you realize that? God vindicated His justice when Jesus was on the cross taking punishment for our sin. That's what sin demands, punishment. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake His saints. They are preserved forever. And you follow that word preserve through the Bible, and you will understand it comes directly linked with a keeping God that once He He is a saving God, He saves us not only from our sins, He saves out of trouble, He saves from evil, but He saves from wrath. And that's this is going to be distinguishable behind all the people that are that are in Christ Jesus. Versus the world that's heading to Armageddon. Wrath is God's avenue alone. And that wrath passed for me and went on Christ in judgment. And by receiving that, we have entered into new life. Those of you that are listening, if there's any listening today that have not received Christ, you heard this. You heard the gospel. Christ came into the world for you. He, He... was nailed on a cross for you. Those words in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, were said for you. He took your punishment. He rose three days later as proof that that sacrifice could save you if you put your trust in Him, and Him alone. Not your works, not your merit, not anything. God does not grade our curve. God is just. And without Christ, you're going to be condemned. You're going to stand before God one day and you're going to give a reason why you have rejected that. Why you could have had the Savior, but now you have the judge. And the judge is right. And he's holy and he's true. You know, it's one thing if I get a traffic ticket, I might be able to bribe my way out or I might be able to go and say, Well, judge, yeah, but you know, I, my wife was having a baby and I had to break the law and I had, to, you know, one way or the other. But when we stand before God and you're still in your sins, there is going to be no explaining things away. God will judge rightly and he will judge fairly. And all the world of the redeemed will watch as you turn around slowly and you walk into outer darkness with his weeping and gnashing teeth. That's how much God loves you. So for a false prophet to say that that God needs me more than I need him is nonsense. Cam, will you play, please? Thank you, our Father, and our Creator, and our Redeemer, You have given us so many promises. That's the the nature of scriptures. Mm. One promise after another. Mm -hmm. You're faithful to each and every one of them. That you have reduced to writing. We thank you for all of them and pray that we'll depend more and more on each of them as we live our lives. Mm. We thank you in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Amen. of my life. He has access to every fiber of my being. That includes my thought life. Make that decision now. So when temptation comes, your decision has already been made. I am Christ. He is mine. I am not going to submit to things of the world. I've already submitted myself to Christ. My heart is already in His hand. My treasure is already with Him. He is my life. Do it now. So when the temptation comes, you're not fighting to try to find a, a decision, or you're not fighting to try to get that set in strength. You know, I remember on, on one particular situation somebody was accustomed to searching the internet and well after you do that is all you know you had they you have a tendency to whatever you go on the most it'll either pop up or something like that well he had been in and this particular individual had had succumbed to pornography and all that before and, and just, just sites that he shouldn't have been on we made that decision And unfortunately, he still had that same computer and stuff like that, so when things would pop up, that decision was made. They didn't pop up and he had to go, oh, you know, and try to find a certain strength that he does not have. He has to try to find a quick solution because temptation comes upon a man like that. You don't have time. Do it now. So when the temptation comes in, you don't worry about time. The decision has been made. And let me tell you what, Jesus will not rule somebody who does not want him to. People say, wow, really? Yes, really. That is one of the evils of Calvinism and other things. God will exalt a man who is lowly and contrite and humble of heart that trembles at his word, They know that he's the high and lofty one. We've made that decision that, oh Lord, my God, you are my king and my God. All I have is yours. My decision has been made. And now when temptations come, you know what? Blow as they will. That's the way it is. You know, the Bible says that a a righteous man falling down before the wicked is is like a muddied stream, a polluted well. And that's why. Spiritual warfare. Your enemy is out there. But look at this. First 10, But, but may the God of all grace who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, you have suffered a little while. This is the end. He will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. you make that decision now, my friends. Look at that. After you suffer a little while, this is a promise of God. He's going to perfect you. He's going to establish you. He's going to strengthen you, and He's going to settle you. Some of us in our Christian life are stilted, and we aren't advanced as we should be, because we're flirting with temptation. We've not made that decision. We're lukewarm. We don't know if if, if really what we want to do. Some of you need to wrestle with God now. Even as as Jacob did. He says, I'm not going to let go of you until I receive a blessing. We need to to wrestle with ourselves and say, I'm not going to let go until I know that Christ is mine and I am His and He is welcome into any avenue of my being. Is He welcome into your thought life? Is He welcome into your time off? Is he welcome into your home when nobody else is around and nobody sees you? You should be welcome everywhere because we're his. We've been bought with a price. He's going to perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. And why? The outcome is always going to be for our good and his glory. Look at verse 11. to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanus and faith, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying. Look at this, that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. This is it. You know one thing I love, it, ah, it's just amazing. I'm almost done. Thank you for hanging in here. This is uh I hope this has been instructive. Um Again, pastors are restricted by time, which, which uh, always runs contrary to me. But Paul says this about the gospel. Remember, at the beginning, we're talking about the gospel. The gospel saves us, puts us on that foundation, gives us a the complete forgiveness of sins, a place with Christ in the heavenly realms, and we're where it was seated, and now we're to grow. Paul says this about the gospel. He says, the gospel preached to you which you received, in which you stand, in which you are saved. So you stand on this gospel. This is the foundation of your Christian life. You're saved by the gospel of Christ. Now we get Peter, who started out his epistle, talking about not only have we been uh, elect, not only talking about the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ and the sanctification of the Spirit, but that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, as, as Paul says in Ephesians. Uh, Peter says it in another way that we've been blessed by the living hope to Christ to raise us from the dead, and so on and so forth. He ends this epistle, as Paul ended 1 Corinthians, by saying, This gospel I preached to you is the gospel in which you stand. Peter is explaining the gospel, explaining what it entails. Yes, we've been saved from our sin. Now we're Christians, we're, we're born ones of Christ, now we're growing. And he, say, he goes through all this, which includes spiritual warfare, and he says, this is the true grace of God in which you stand. It's the all-inclusive gospel. It's the, it's the shedding of the blood of Christ, it's the going in the tomb. It's raising in the third day. It's ascending to the Father, who is who is at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us. It's the Holy Spirit coming down. It's the where we been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And everything we do, we do with the hope of Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead, and so on and so forth. And now, not only correct understanding of where we're to be and what we're to do, and our enemy around here. He saying, all this is included in the grace of God by which you stand. And he closes by saying, she who is in Babylon elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to you, all who are in Christ Jesus. And my friends, he ends this by saying, we need to greet one another with a kiss of love. You know, the Bible says in the second psalm, and I love the way that King James put this, it says, kiss the son lest he be angry. You know, that is a term of affection. Are we affectionately loved for one another? Because that's what's going to keep us walking with Christ, is love. Make up your mind now. Follow him now. Fully, because as Peter said, he was zealous on saying these things and bringing these things to reminder. Because Jesus had told him shortly, he's going to go. away. Paul says the same thing. He said the same say the same things to you as me, not tedious, but to you it's profitable. Oh, it's just another sermon. It's just another this. It's just another that. No, it's an admonition to follow Christ today. Make that decision today. Father, I just thank you for this epistle. Lord, I just pray that you take away the rough edges that I put there and that the pure word would plant itself deep within our heart, that we would realize that the love of God knows no bounds, and yet we need to understand that there's an adversary out there. The one that wants to destroy us. That is bent on doing what he can in these last days. It's going to get worse. And I pray we will be solidified. We would be ready that we love one another. If it gets worse in these days to come. And we're parted from one another, and we don't have a place to come so comfortably, like most parts of the world. I pray that we would ask ourselves, will we be able to stand? Will we be able to stay strong and say, Come, Lord Jesus? Father, I pray that we'd be ready. We'd be ready, Lord, for your coming. And I pray, as the apostle John says, Come, Lord Jesus. Father, in his name I pray. Amen.